What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hardcore Troubadour. My name is Brian Wallace. And my name is Tyler Short. And uh, we're going to shoot the breeze for a little bit because we don't have that much to talk about today. Don't. We actually have a lot to talk about. It's just based on a a little bit of a different piece of media. I'm just like, I wouldn't want anybody to hear that and then immediately be like, skip <laughs> and move yeah. right on. Because there's going to be some fucking gold in this one, Tyler. There's going to be tangents. I promise. I promise. Tangents, but very interesting ones for for fans of music, fans of hardcore, for fans of heavy drug addiction and sobriety. Um, no matter what side of that spectrum you're currently on at the moment. Um, True. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a. Uh, something called the hard way but not the record a a dutch documentary film um well documentary film yeah 45 minute tv spot yeah to say who's to say but it is it is fascinating so we'll we'll get into that in just a little bit but tyler how you been man i've been good um yo since we talked last did you guys end up seeing barbie nope (laughs) fucking posers yep (laughs) <laughs> parents is actually the right the correct yeah, keyword parent, for that. God parents damn it. parents are posers man i'm so everybody i've talked to i gotta see it i really want to but we didn't we um we took you know what we did on our anniversary though what'd you took do? a took a nice walk on the beach at coney island and then that went sounds, out for dinner yeah that sounds nice and uh and um like what people lie about doing as but well we, I promise we did and calculated it where it was like, we wanted to be there for the sunset and then we wanted to go for dinner. And then if we would have gone to the movies after that, we would have had to go to like the 1030 show, which for, you know, old asses like us and paying babysitter by the hour just wasn't going to work. So um, no Barbie for us. My friends who did Barbenheimer, they did walked into Oppenheimer at like 10 o'clock to watch. Wow. And that's a long one, right? Barbie. It's three hours, yeah. Three hours. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. But good for them. That's something in my past life I think I would have done without batting an eye. Yeah, that's um, something I would have done when I if I didn't have to work as much as I do. Yeah, exactly. It's just you're always doing that calculation of is it gonna be worth kind of feeling like shit tomorrow? And often for a for a show that's like a one-time thing, the answer is worth yes. it every time. Yes. For a movie that's like, if I don't see it now, I can still see it at some other point. It's usually no. Like in a few days. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We uh we went and saw uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles last night. I heard that's a lot of fun. It's fucking awesome. Yo, Aaron from Perfect World saw it in the 4DX theater where it you know vibrates your ass and sprays. That shit. sounds intense. <laughs> He said it that sounds he, intense because the movie is kind of crazy. Yeah, he said it was unnecessary, but apparently yeah, they yeah, just keep it keep it rolling the whole time. Like just every time like something moves on camera, it like buzzes your ass in the oh, in so the I seat. think those theaters spray you with water, and there's like several water scenes in the movie. Yep. So I imagine there was heavy water features going there on. Was. That, uh, Fog, water, all everything. Yeah, that's unnecessary. He should have just gone to a regular theater. He had a good time. I had a great time. I was surrounded by children. They were spilling popcorn everywhere. <laughs> As I didn't did. realize it at all. <laughs> when they turned on the lights, I was like, what happened in here? <laughs> Yo, that's just how they just how they exist. Yeah, it's uh 
you're in for some shit. No, I'm already. I mean, you're like, already in. You're already in the shit. But goddamn, dude, these kids were way older than yours, and they were still crazy. That doesn't stop for a while. Um, although, you know, I've already. Uh, we're, we're we're trying to to raise Kieran so that he knows he can make a mess, but he also knows he's going to have to clean it up. Um, so, and the, at this age, actually cleaning up is a game so he can kind of like, like if I bring, you know, when it's like time to put the toys away, I bring the box over and it's like a game, like let's get the cars or bring me something blue, you know, that kind of shit. Uh-huh. And then I can, cause I used to spend like half an hour after he went to sleep cleaning up. And then I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? No. Um, he'll, he'll do it and, and he'll actually enjoy it. And he does. Um, That's a the, cool trick you played on him. Yeah. And it, it's, this, I used to do it when I was an elementary school classroom teacher yeah. too, but I, I think I just didn't think of it. Cause I was doing that with like fourth graders who I could just give them jobs, you know? And they love it. You ro- you just rotate, right? Because yeah, everybody child labor is cool. Child labor is awesome. Everybody Sarah wants Huckabee to... Sanders is bringing it back. Yeah, man. Everybody wants to um, clean the board, you know. So you just rotate. Who gets to do that? Um, I was like, look, don't form a union, okay? We prefer to to talk directly. All yeah. right. I, I wouldn't want any. We're any... we're we're like a family. We're like a family here. Yes. Um, no, you know what's cool this has been a summer of labor action um which is awesome mm-hmm. and i mean obviously i think what's gotten the most the most in the news is obviously the writers and actors strike um but also a lot of la city workers walked off the job for very good reason um there is a starbucks not far from me that i walk past often on my way to and from kieran's school and there. Uh, workers were holding a rally outside um and you know there's there's already a few unionized stores in the area Mm -hmm. and they were working towards it too so like you know just did what i can to like stop by take some literature sign petition things like that um but it you know it sucks that people have to struggle that much to get what should be the bare minimum basic expectations but it is also good to see um that shit happening especially you know it, it was funny too because like nobody was going in to the store because cool. this is, you know it's like no everybody it was just like a lot of very uncomfortable like liberals in workout clothes that mm-hmm. usually go to starbucks like every fucking day <laughs> and you could tell those people are easily shamed yeah exactly like it you know you weren't <laughs> you weren't gonna get the conservative dickhead that was like fuck y'all give me my whatever the fuck yeah they were you know they they did not want to be perceived yeah as being on the wrong side so and that's you know. if if that's what it takes to get you to do the right thing then yeah. okay yeah exactly if so shame that, is the only way to get you to care about somebody else then i guess okay yeah sometimes it works um so yeah i don't know how i got on that uh fucking... we talked about your uh your elementary school students unionizing and then that led to yeah. Oh well, no, like we talked I, about how they didn't need to because I was they didn't need to because I was you were taking ben- care of them so well. I was a benevolent yes. uh uh master uh, uh manager. <laughs> what was that boss. first word you were going with? <laughs> 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 if you were, you know, if one was educated in Florida, you would learn officially that it wasn't a, that bad. Imp- yeah, important life skills. Um, yeah, it wasn't that bad. Learned through that. 
Jesus Christ, Ron DeSantis. Yeah, we're having um, a great time. Dude. Dude, that fucking song I sent you, man. Yeah, so Tyler and I also, in between recording, have been sending each other our, our favorite um, over-the-top patriotic songs from the... You, yours are satire. Yeah, my, mine were satire. Everything mine were serious. We're very... <laughs> very serious um and also just they're they're good reminders for anybody that wants to you know write a revisionist history of the you know the the bush administration years or like the years post 9-11 as if they were some time of national unity it's like well maybe there was unity if you blindly supported every single thing that you know the bush administration did including torturing innocent people um are you talking about the news the news <laughs> are you talking about the news right now oh exactly yeah no i'm no now everything's great i'm talking about um you know back then yeah tell tell us about some of these songs so there's a what is the band called the rights the Wright or brothers the Wright brothers that's that's they're 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 the thing the pop punk uh answer yeah. to um to uh <laughs> I, I guess like what if conservatives went to pop punk shows? They didn't. So they didn't uh, succeed. And yeah, I think... to be a band. but this Tom McDonald dude. Yeah. This American flag song that got advertised to me on YouTube. I didn't ask for that. Dude, the, the YouTube algorithm will take you to right wing misogynistic fascist shit so fucking quick but that's an advertisement it wasn't yeah um, it wasn't it, was a, a, it wasn't like i watched a video and then the next it was video a paid was, ad that it was, was daily in the wire of, it yeah. was i was watching a video literally about like trans people being attacked and then in the middle it stopped for a commercial for that american flags maga rapper song like so maybe they were thinking oh the audience who's watching this are watching this because they enjoy seeing trans people getting attacked. Well, I think it's because those the the way these these ads get placed, they're by keywords and they yeah. don't take into account context. So oh, they don't realize totally. that when you pay to have your video aired in like transphobic content, right? It might be criticizing that kind of shit. Yeah, it's Meaning you're actually opening yourself up to people like me who are going to become obsessed with you. (laughs) And the next thing they do is search your name and grifter. And then you spend hours watching other people talk about how you're a fucking fraud. And you're Canadian, apparently. Canadian! Yeah. And the other guy in the video assaulted a cop. Wow. Okay, well, that earns my respect, I guess. But, um, dude, incredible. Like, yeah, YouTube is such a fucking digital wasteland. But it does remind me too, like, <clears throat> like some Rutchen and I used to use Yelp when we were traveling to like f- try to find vegetarian and vegan food, and it pretty much became useless because if you would search like vegan, like steakhouses would come up, and it would just be where people were like, "There's nothing vegan here." <laughs> You know, and, yeah. but it would so it would just oh that's the word like, you know. So yeah, no. Oh, I, I thought you were going to immediately say it. It just became a place where Karens went to complain about everything. Well, that too. Yeah, but you know, it's it's a 
it's been a useful tool on the road sometimes so that, you know, I can eat something other than, um, Taco Bell, ta- hardcore's favorite fast mm-hmm. food restaurant, Taco Bell. Um, so we're going to stay away from that one, but, um, yeah, you know, Taco Bell being a default and, uh, it's fun for a couple of times and then becomes unfun if that's what you're eating all the time. Or at least yeah, you see, I've never had fun at Taco Bell. It's always been a bad time. So I don't do it anymore. Yeah, I think that's fair. And if you had made dietary choices where you have like less options anyway, um, the point is the internet is both extremely helpful and the most awful worst thing. Both are true at the same time. And you need more um, better and you need better vegan fast food. More better vegan fast food. Yes. Um, and I've Tom McDonald is rapping for our rights um, and everybody should go listen to What's the name of the song? American flags. American flags. I mean, I mean, yes, dude, it's just, it's just, yes. It's so cool. It's crazy. The other stuff was funny and like older, but this is like unhinged and current. Um, It's nuts. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. It's like what dudes watch you know, to get like amped up to storm the Capitol. Um, and, it, and it is effective. I'll say that it's like effect. Like, did it work on you? Or you like, I mean, up? I was jazzed up, but I, yeah. I was like jazzed up for a different reason. It's <laughs> like yeah, this guy makes some pretty good points. Uh, that's hilarious, man. It was a fucking riot, dude. I literally had it like queued up for Ashton when she got home from work to be like, I bombarded her. She got home from work for like a 10 hour day. And I was like, um, you got to see this shit. Yeah. I'm sure that was the first thing she wanted to, to it do. It was absolutely before she, she even thrilled. gets to sit down. Yeah, that's awesome. Halfway through, um, she she did perk up at one point and go, that line was kind of hard. <laughs> like, well, that's, isn't it crazy? Here, you got to hand it to them. They worked really hard on it. It's they not half-assed. Really yeah, no, the video, the, apparently his girlfriend edits all of the music videos. She did a great job. Dude, you went deep. Holy shit. Oh, dude, I watched hours <laughs> of content about this guy. I watched well, that uh, with the, the uh, Anthony Fontana guy or whatever who reviews music. Oh, he, he has, he, he's, he's been on this guy for like years. Oh, that's funny. He's known about this guy for years. I just found out about him this week. Wow. And, uh. I feel like I've been missing out. Tom McDonald. Amazing. Yeah. He's a character. Quite a character. And yeah, I love he's that he's a literal character. He used to not be like this. Wow. I love that he didn't uh, pick a special name or anything. He just went with Tom McDonald. And, you know, and I could... think that's his name. I could be getting yeah. it wrong right now. I don't even know. I didn't look it up before <clears throat> this. He could be the regional manager at an insurance firm, or he could be a MAGA rapper, maybe both. Um, that reminds me, maybe when people playing a character, have you ever heard Larry the Cable Guy's real voice? No. He's from the Midwest and like like Nebraska Midwest. He's not oh, Southern. Okay. Um, and there's there are clips on YouTube of his like early years when he was like a hey guys, how you doing? Kind of like stand-up comedian, like, what's the deal with blah blah blah? Before he, you know, and, and then the the progression of he formed the character. And then he became the character full time. Um, That's cool. But yeah, he's he's not much like so many other grifters, right? Like, how did you know uh, the son of 
oil family billionaires who went to elite prep schools and Yale and Harvard convince people that he was a cowboy from Texas. And oh then, yeah, I was then, wondering who you were going with. <laughs> like I was thinking I was like, about Coke, Coke children. Well, that's the thing; it could be anybody. <laughs> could this be? But it just reminds me of like, yeah, people thought like George Bush was like a Texas cowboy when he's actually yeah. a, a a Maine prep school kid. Yeah. Um, and just kind of the same way that, uh, Larry, the cable guy is, um, you know, just a bland ass dude from the like great plains. Um, That's not, not the South. Um, but I learned he, something today. Yeah. Yeah. Look it up. His Larry, That's the cable cool. guy stuff is, is funnier than, um, than I his, can, his early I stuff, can imagine. So. I don't remember his, uh, catchphrase, but, uh, I know they all had one. Oh God, his was was he get her done? No, get her done was yeah, he was get her done. He okay. was get her done. There we go. And then there was here's your sign. And then there was Was that Ron White? No. Ron White was the drunk one. He was the tater um, salad guy, right? Yeah. And then yeah. obviously the the king, Jeff Foxworthy, the you might be a redneck. You might be a redneck, if, yes. Yeah. So this is a you know constructive quite, conversation we're having right now this is quite a cultural you know blueprint that's been set here and i think this is a good segue because we've begun talking about both actual southerners and people who seek to profit off of <laughs> things yeah. that people in the south like um and uh so let's talk about this documentary man when did you when did you find out that this thing existed just youtube just yeah. looking on YouTube for videos about Steve Earle. And I saw that this was the thing. And I was like, but it was after we had already started doing this. Mm -hmm. And I watched five minutes of it, realized it's songs off Transcendental Blues. And I went, oh, not going to watch this. I'm going to wait. going to wait. Yeah. And I waited till we reached this point in his life before I watched it. So amazing. If it's... we were going to talk about it, we'd talk about it at the right time. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's a good supplement right now for uh, absolutely I mean, a, a tweener. It's a it's a good tweener for us, and I mean, I, I'll say this like I learned a lot. So what we what we know is this was you know right around the same time as Transcendental Blues, copyright two thousand. You know, some of it might have been filmed in ninety nine. Um, it's Dutch. The film crew and the interviewers that are, you know, asking Steve questions are are clearly Dutch, and there are Dutch subtitles on the screen, um, even as the documentary is in English. And it's called The Hard Way, just like the record is, which could make it hard to search for. Um, but it's I've yet to see it anywhere, YouTube or otherwise, in its full form. It's yeah, you know, I looked for so it's, long. It's about forty minutes long. It's short, and it's just it's in three chunks, like fifteen, fifteen, and nine. Um, so highly recommend, um, and I can, I can put the link up, um, on our Instagram if anybody has trouble finding it, um, if you want to take a look and, and, and give it a watch, but, um, super entertaining and includes a lot of footage of Steve talking about his sober life, his pre-sober life, um, playing music and, hanging out at his uh, at his house in Nashville, which one of the few things that he still had from his, you know, pre-recovery yeah. years. Um, and just a lot of stuff that I had never seen. Um, 
Yeah, there's some stories that we've talked about on here. There's a couple um, that I realize I'm like, oh, this is where these stories come from. Mm-hmm. It was either this time or this. These were just things he would say in inter- or he would tell in interviews and whatnot. Yeah. Um, there's one story we'll get to it that he tells in this that I'd heard in another interview him tell like a different context of but didn't follow it through to the detail that he does in this. So it's, 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 it's a good watch, especially just to see him like at this time where he's still young. Yeah. But been through it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I guess t- time wise, it is either right before or right after transcendental blues came out um, in terms of when they were taking the footage. Right? Yeah. Cause he, um, yeah, because it's definitely there's re- like the studio recording, yeah, of a couple of the songs, yeah, and then there's live recordings I've, of, of a couple some of them, yep. So the studio recording at least existed. Yes, absolutely. So it starts with one of the first things that Steve talks about is this time period that he was living in San Miguel, Mexico, um, seemingly on a, you know perpetual bender at that point um tyler do you know roughly what years that was that he was down there i don't and i and i and i was just when you were saying that i was like fuck i can't remember when we've talked about him what years this would have been i'm guessing it had to have been pre-guitar town that's what i think too because he had to have been pre-guitar town because he was so on the road yeah after guitar town until he had to vacate right and he was he he references it just a time where i was like i was i would play music to make enough money to buy more booze and then that's just that was his life during that time Um, yeah which sounds like it had to be before guitar town because all of his money wasn't going to his arm right and that exactly and that's true that's when his vice was mainly alcohol before he had turned to the harder stuff too Mm -hmm. um and one of the first things you see after he talks about that is this beautiful, you know, live version, not live at a show, but Steve playing it live version of Lonelier Than This. Um, it's great. Really great version of it. I really loved it. Um, Did you like that better than the... Than what's on the record? Yes. Than what's on the record? Mm-hmm. I thought you would, honestly. Yeah, I did. I really did. I, there's something... Some of those songs just work better when it's just Steve and the just guitar. Him. Yeah. yeah. I'm hoping he, I, I, I still haven't looked because I'm going to see him next weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, I still haven't seen any of the, the set list. Set list. Uh, my buddy, Scott, who, who was on, uh, on the pod, he, um he was texting me being like, have you seen the set list? And he told me which songs he didn't know mm-hmm. on the set list. And I was like, well, I know those. So I, if I know the ones that you didn't know, I probably know all of them. So I, I feel I, like a good I'd, chance. I'm just cool with being surprised. Yeah. Um, and watching this, I was like, man, I hope he plays lonelier than this because this fucking works. It uh, totally works for a solo tour. I, I would I would hope it's on the list, although he's got a lot to choose from. I'm sure here. he's going to play forever, though. So I'm yeah. very stoked. That's awesome. But yeah, I can't no, wait to hear about it. It's really fucking cool. Um. And that the, the, my, the thing I wrote down about the the Mexico stuff is when he talks about how he was uh, adding to the GDP of Mexico. Yeah. 
she's drinking tequila. That was a great line. Great line. I mean, that's half of my notes are just the, the quotable Steve Earle mm-hmm. from this documentary. There's so many good quotes in this. Um, so, well, if, if you cut ahead a little bit, Mm-hmm. there's a, they they kind of cut to that's why you know you said documentary earlier kind of in quotes because it really doesn't piece together in a super coherent way no. but i really love that next they're at the country music hall of fame <laughs> in nashville um and steve is showing um an outfit and a guitar that he has in there and lamenting that um stacy put the wrong belt buckle <laughs> in yep. there it was way it was more expensive than the one 700 dollars belt buckle <laughs> locked into behind this glass yeah and, and that's then, uh 1990 or yeah i guess well no fuck who knows when she even sent that yeah i don't know the time frame of when it was sent but then there's a really funny interaction with the staff where they ask if steve has a star on the walkway outside and like the museum director comes by and is like no and tells this, he's like, well, you know, they have to come in person. And so maybe Steve's schedule didn't allow it. And I was just like, he lives in fucking Nashville. Yeah. Like, yeah. Y- y'all never you don't want him. One. Yeah, you don't want him. <laughs> and he said, he said, I feel like what I do is true to the spirit of country music, but doesn't fit into the parameters of what you're allowed to do on country radio anymore. I call it the great credibility scare of the 1980s yeah. in Nashville. That's when they when they when they had to bring him in for a moment. Yeah, it's yep. amazing. Yeah, yep. but I love that he has to explain away how he was ever included. So good, so good. <laughs> like the fluke wasn't that. Uh, that like, the fluke wasn't that he fell off. The fluke was that he was ever included in Absolutely. the conversation. <laughs> yeah, like I can see once they had his like outfit and guitar in there. Um. You know, I'm sure even that was some of the like old heads who make decisions about who is or isn't in the fucking country music hall of fame felt some type of way about that. Yeah. Um, but such a funny thing. There's also multiple references um to how much Steve loves metal. Um yeah. particularly in the eighties. Like he talked about like, well, I was spending too much time uh with you know, with heavy metal bands, is he explaining the skull and crossbones? And shit. yeah, the and skull then he and... talks about the Jolly Roger. He would, yeah, he had hanging on the flagpole, right? So he kept the Jehovah's Witnesses away, yeah. And then, like, later on, I mean, we'll talk later on in some of the last parts of the documentary. He's in the studio with Ron Sexsmith, mm-hmm. and um, and they're talking about when they met. And Steve's like, Well, I was on my way to see Sacred Reich. <laughs> fucking badass dude that fucking rips yeah he's in canada in 1988 and you know steve's like okay i'll come talk to this folk singer kid but what i really want to do is go to the fucking metal show down the street um yeah what a fucking g dude badass shit it's awesome um we go from there to steve's family and i couldn't tell tyler when the scenes where you know they talk to Oma Earl, and then I want to talk mm-hmm. about you know when uh, you know young, like teenage or Justin, you know, Justin yeah. is there. Um, if that was in Texas or at Steve's house in Nashville, it was kind of hard. I would to imagine they had to have gone to Texas. Yeah, I it guess looked that's like why was... Steve because Steve wasn't around for right. It was like Steve's grandmother's house or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
they so they interviewed Oma Earl, um, who was just the most classic Southern grandmother. She's cool. And I love to like, you know, the interviewers are like, well, why did he want to go to Nashville? And she's like, because he wanted to sing and play the guitar. <laughs> like, just matter of like, yeah. Um, and, and told stories about there was a line in there, too, about um, what did she say? He would like, well, you she, know, go ahead. Oh, she when she talks about there, he would he would be going down the road. They'd pick him up and bring him back. And then before yeah. they knew it, he'd be back down yeah. trying to trying to get away again. Right. And then she she says at one point, she said the psychiatrist told us to finally just let him go. Let him go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, you know, the reference to the, at that early stage, there was a psychiatrist involved because, yeah. you know, Steve <clears throat> was already just having so many challenges you know yeah um, i mean it also goes to show like how much like support he had from his family that like they would even call a psychiatrist rather than just like grab a belt 100 <laughs> percent. yeah you know like yeah. so many i feel like so many kids just get beaten into submission for not like to not be themselves that mm-hmm. it goes to show how much they were like wanting to understand him oh they even which makes sense why he turns out the way he does like oh totally like and he had a head start he did like a that's just such an important theme like yeah when we talk about the head starts that people get in life obviously things like fucking money matters things mm-hmm. like that but someone just a, who has family that loves you and supports you even at the time yeah. yeah that you're fucking difficult or doing things that they might not approve of but they still want you to do it if it's that important to you yeah. right um it's not like you're born on third base but at least like when you hit the ball they're like run yeah exactly you know rather than like either totally being mia or actively like pushing back against yes. what you're trying to do right um the the footage of justin is very brief but i found it He's so young. He's so like I I got very He looks like one of my cousins. It's crazy. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was it was very like emotional to watch because I felt like I don't know. He I'm I'm making some assumptions here, right? Just based on his age, how far Steve was in to his sobriety and things mm-hmm. like that, but it was almost a little bit like he's still getting used to like Having, having a dad yeah having a dad having yeah. his dad back in his life in this way mm-hmm. um and you can tell like you know that like to, to hear somebody like his age you know, like as, a, as an older teenager here be like ah i prefer not to talk about it too much that's old stuff it's history and it's not history that's favored too well in this family young man it, it's not that old we're talking about just yeah. a few years ago that that a lot of this was happening and i could i still I felt like there was still, you know, quite a bit of pain in in talking about this where, you know, it made me happy, obviously, that in the the years since him and Steve were able to have, you know, a much better relationship, especially as Justin developed as an artist. Much worse at times, too, though. Much worse at times, too. When it sounds like. Right. But it was just never like it. You know, yeah, it's it just was is a good reminder that it's never as easy as like, okay, I'm back now. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like a, and and I'm sh- frankly all the way till the end, I'm sure deep down, Justin still carried a lot of like, 
where were you, man? And just, you know, I, I don't know what it was like for him, but, you know, relating to those feelings of like, Hey, I'm glad you eventually got cleaned up. But like, why wasn't I enough of a reason? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, mm -hmm. cause I'm not the reason you did it. Like you, you were, you had me and went down the dark road for a long time still after that. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's, I really wish there was more footage of him in there just because I'd love to learn more about his there life at this point. in the next documentary we're going to watch. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's he's all over the uh, Just an American Boy documentary. I'm looking forward to watching that one. Um, yeah. Me too. I'm looking forward to watching it again because when it, the first time I watched it, I wasn't really a fan of Jerusalem. Mm. And uh, and now I am. So I'm excited to revisit that. But, uh, but yeah, no... Um, it, it was really sad hearing him talk about his like that time and like shove it down like yeah. and you realize like oh he's really just he's basically like building his future addiction right now totally by not addressing this shit i uh yeah yeah man um i we we're watching um we're watching that show um insecure right now on hbo mm -hmm. the Issa Rae show yeah um and one of the one of the characters is in therapy and um she's talking about she's talking about how like you know like shit's just not cool with her and somebody else right now and it's it's not her fault because she's right mm. and her therapist says well do you care more about being right than you care about this relationship and um it reminded me um that uh Mike Birbiglia the comedian Mike Birbiglia, he yeah. has a an entire comedy special. I think it's my girlfriend's boyfriend. Centers all around that idea of being right or being happy. Yeah, man. And like, like finding that like balance of like being willing to just be like, you know what, this doesn't fucking matter. I love somebody enough to let this go, and it just sucks because I feel like looking at Justin right then, I'm like. You're never going to get the help you need no. in time. Yeah. Fuck. It's, it's like, so I'm really sitting with what you said there too, just about like, cause he's not wrong. But, no, he's not exactly <laughs> like, I, and I'm thinking about the amount of times I've, I've had fuck, you know, conversations with myself, conversations with other people around like, yo, you would have every single right to go and fucking, you know, tell this person to go fuck themselves or fucking punch them in the mouth or whatever. Like you don't, you, you, you wouldn't be wrong to do those things, but um, what comes after that? Yeah. You know, like, is, is, is that going to be enough to just sit with some sense of satisfaction that you're right? Most of the time that answer is going to be no, especially if mm -hmm. it's someone that you actually care about and not just some like dickhead you're arguing with on the internet or something. Right. Like, yeah. um, that is a lesson that has taken me a long time to learn. And I've had the benefit of, you know, one, a lot of people loving me and being patient with me and two, not having to, you know, battle addiction the way that, you know, both Steve and Justin did. Um, fuck. It, it's just, yeah, I think it's, I wonder if I would have, I probably would have viewed it very differently, even knowing about Justin's struggles, if I had seen this before he passed, yeah. you know, and, and now obviously you can't see it outside of that lens, um, mm -hmm. but to just see this like 
sweet kind of awkward kid <laughs> you know what i mean like um who's probably like oh they're coming they want to interview me about dad okay you know mm -hmm. and like what the fuck am i supposed to say right now um yeah and you know i'm i'm having a hard time bringing it up myself i'm certainly not going to say it on camera to a bunch of strangers but i think it says so much what he it, does say it really does yeah <laughs> Like it's uh why why use more word when few word do trick dude sort of situation hundred hundred fucking percent <laughs> and so then there's a big contrast because you cut back to Nashville to Steve's house and he is pruning bonsai trees dude yo <laughs> I wrote whoa year two thousand it feels so abrasive to hear the word retarded used after not using that word for a long time he used it so casually too and like, i'm there like was... fucking i used to as well yeah because yeah there was no malice behind it it was just like a casual part That's of his vocabulary yeah. how you describe things that yeah. everybody said that and it's just wild dude it's um fuck like just it's like you know hearing the f word in mm -hmm. 80s movies and you're like yeah that's just how everybody talked then like in 90s movies and yeah. year 2000s movies. it is like, it's it's very abrasive to like hear oh like it's just crazy how just like a few years away from like words like that you're like oh god yeah. like it's like a <laughs> punch in the ear well, I won't name them, but a bandit, this is hardcore, addressed the crowd that way this, just this weekend. So, yeah, you know, cool, edgy, cool. Um, but, yeah, it was I, I had the same reaction. Um, Steve's lines about his trip to Australia and just talking about. Yeah, dude, I wrote that down. The cavalier way he mentioned smoking crack. I know. My, oh, fir shit. my first trip to Australia, I didn't see a kangaroo. I saw prostitutes and I saw other drug addicts. Like wild dude yeah like that's you know I, th there's something there too i had never heard him talk so deeply too about like his you know how he just he he could no longer get enough heroin to like maintain the high that he needed so he had to smoke crack too right most people who get to that point die they OD, just yes. they just od because yes. that much heroin kills you kills you um yeah. And it's just, I mean, Steve is built like a horse, but I mean, even, even uh, there's been a lot of big folks that, that go down, you know, from these substances too, but it was just amazing to be like, so he's got heroin. Well, it wasn't the heroin. It was the methadone. It, he yeah. he talks about using crack when he was on the, when methadone, he was on methadone, right. Which would be a different kind of thing. Right. Um, but I just, th just the it's, fact it's just crazy though. It's still crazy. Right. That he had gotten to a point where he was like, this isn't doing it for me anymore because yeah. most people never get to that point because mm -hmm. they, they die. They, yeah. they die right? um, and this is also where, I mean, I'm going to make the hardcore connection. I've talked before about how my old friend Kyle Mims, um, who um, from Nashville, drummer from uh, Love is Red, was also for a while the drummer for Evergreen Terrace. And most importantly to me, the drummer for X Trader X, Florence, Alabama, Straight Edge, the smallest scene with the biggest heart. Shout out. Um, he uh, wanted, dude, I'll, I'll send you the demo. It, it still rules. Um, <laughs> it was also in that time period where like they would cover a carry on song and it was like two years after carry on had broken up. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Fuck yeah. We're doing off my chest. Let's go. Um, carry on didn't play here. Exactly. Right. So. It's um, fine. 
Yeah, I didn't give it a second thought. Anyway, Kyle was in that band too because he fucking rules. Um, he is Stacy Earle's son, so therefore Steve's nephew. And I tried when back when Kyle and I saw each other more often when I was still living in Tennessee uh, to not punish him about this too mm-hmm. much. <laughs> You know what I mean? I was very, he's a super nice dude, but I was also like very self-conscious about not wanting to be like, oh, does Steve ever like come to the show? You know, like things like yeah. that. Um, the answer is no, at least not while I was around. Yeah. But um, this is the first time I'd actually seen footage of him young. So Stacy's mm-hmm. there with her kids and like a teenage Kyle, probably just a, a couple of years before he got into hardcore, um, makes an appearance. So that was just like, it's just fun for me to, to be like, Oh yeah, no, that's know, so cool. This is a, you know, the, the, the world is still pretty fucking small, all things considered. Like this is a dude that I've played shows with, um, still living in, I haven't talked to Kyle in a long time. Um, but we still have tons of mutual friends. He runs a gym in Nashville, very successful and has just always been an excellent dude. So Shout out to Kyle um, and just the the clear fucking talent in that family. Um, straight up. Straight up. So, you know, there's uh, with Steve's sobriety and Kyle's, uh, you know, Edgeman status, there was a, a lot of a lot of hard dudes in the house at that point. That's fucking awesome. Um, dude, when he's uh, talking about the bonsai tree and how like the big like one of the big things about it is like when to do nothing. Yeah. And then he relates that to like he how he like has never been able to sit still and how he's kind of coming into that ability at this time, which makes transcendental blues make so much more sense. It really does for what the record was and what it meant and everything. And I do and it and that's why it's been pushed out of my bottom three. This secures it probably will never be there again because I fucking really do like that record like a lot now and i like even the other records in my bottom three but i i definitely like this one a little more the having now all this context and understanding um, of it but um but also like connecting the sitting still to the he'd never been comfortable being at the house Mm -hmm. like and now he's cool being in that house because that house has always sat still Right in Nashville, static, waiting for him to be able to be there, and mm-hmm. he'd never been able to be there really. Right, and now he is, and I think that's really, I don't know, it's really cool. That's fucking beautiful, man. It's yeah, because cool. he says a point. He's like, one, he would just come by there like every couple of weeks just to shower, shower, and, yeah, you know, and barely slept anyway. But then two, I really appreciated his reflection on because he had lived in that house in so many dark times wondering after he got sober, if he would, if he could be there, you know what I mean? And, and, but being able to experience both the house itself, but the act of you don't always have to be moving um, Mm -hmm. as, as something peaceful rather than something that like made him, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, That's which I can, I can fucking feel that as a millennial who I feel like I've always like I can't imagine what these kids who have had an iPad in their hands since they were able to to walk and talk like are going to go through. But like I, you know, I wake up, 
I take a shower, I pour my cereal, I sit down, I YouTube until I get in my car and I plug my iPod in and I listen to a podcast until I get to work and then I put my headphones in and then I listen to headphones all day until I get back in my car and I put the music back on. Then I get home and I watch a movie and then I maybe play video games with Ashton and then I read my book and then I go to sleep. (laughs) It's a constant companion, right? Like Like I spend the whole day going from one thing to the next to to keep my brain uh, going. But also I think I have, I realized recently, like so much of my fear of like what CTE is going to do to my brain. Like I'm so like, I even like, like I had this discussion with my manager because we were talking about headphones and how they're not allowed Mm. at work. And I was like, I'll get a note from my therapist saying like, this keeps them from not showing up to work again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that they're like not actually allowed because you have always mentioned that you listen to podcasts yeah. while you're working. Well, they're, they're not allowed at times when we have enough labor in the store in order for them to actually discipline us. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> when, uh, when they decide to have rules, they right. think they have more power than we do right. at times. It's like, and, oh, do, what do you, you want me to go home? Is you want me to go home? Yeah, and like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they really, it really depends on how many people who are listening to headphones are also like assholes who are holding way too much power mm-hmm. in the, in this uh, relationship. But um, I told them straight up, I said, yo, I've had a lot of concussions in my life. And one thing like listening to music or listening to podcasts and stuff, it keeps my brain occupied. And I'm like really worried what that's going to do to my brain as I get older. Like, so I'm like, that's why I'm starting to read again. That's why I'm starting to do all these different things to keep my brain. I think that's smart. I mean, there's research that just, you've got to keep that stimulation going, that type of puzzles, which like, honestly, certain video games and things like that are a form of that, right? Like if you're, you know, like solving puzzles, reading, you know, like processing things like that, really important because even, I mean, I've thought about this, not because of, you know, CTE or, or, you know, brain injury or anything, but there are a good number of, you know, family members I had that succumbed to, you know, dementia at a fairly early age, you know what I mean? Like in, like in their sixties, which, you know, used to feel like, you know, the far, far future so far away that it doesn't matter. And now I'm like, it's not whoa i'm like i I, i'd kind of like to still know what's going on um we're more than halfway there at this point right exactly and so um similarly man just the 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 worry about like is there you know all of this is not fully within our control at all whatever processes whether genetic or from you know taking blows to the head is gonna ultimately make our brains go blank that process has already begun we cannot fully stop it but what we can do is slow it down immensely and -hmm. that's the goal here um so yeah man and maybe maybe you should you know start gardening too seems like that could help you got you got room for a garden out there we have room for a garden i don't have time for a garden yeah that's fair um no i i mean because that's i'm the dude that says things like well if i had a if i had a yard i would do that and i'm like but would i though no, I can say that I would because I don't I really have time to cut the grass, dude. I know. I got home just in time to cut the grass before we went and saw Ninja Turtles yesterday. Do you find do you find mowing the lawn meditative? Do you enjoy it, it or is it? Yeah, I, I used to love it, it too. Yeah, it, it used to be. I really valued that time when back when I that was a thing that I did. <laughs> yeah, it's very zen. 
I listened to Drive By Truckers and Cut My Grass yesterday. It was awesome. Hell yeah. Nice. I listened to the first record. It's not that good. Dude. They've put out a lot of really cringy shit, man. There's Um, like one song I think I was like, this song's could could be canon. Just some just there's just some there's undeniable talent and questionable taste in in, we talked about this on the Scottish on Scott episode, yeah. Particularly with with Patterson Hood. Um well hell yeah, man. The other stuff well it goes from this because you were talking about one of my favorite parts, I, I didn't write it down. I probably should have, but the fall poem. When he reads Hawthorne. That's yeah. hard. Dude, I wrote down what he said after that. Everybody should write something. I think it really helps. And then he said, everybody's melancholy. Everybody's manic. Everybody's the nicest guy in the world. And everybody's a fucking axe murderer at any given moment. And I was like, yeah, I had to. I, I, I wrote that down, too. That's, I sto- that's awesome. Yeah, stopped and went back so I could get every word of that because it's like, dude, 100 fucking percent i i am all of those things all at once every day he opened that the the the, you didn't say the first part of it was uh it's pointless to ask why we write what we write it's in the songs and poems right yes which i uh i feel that but i even still though like i love talking about what songs are about or like relating it to like a, a thing that's happening at that time mostly because when we push play on the song that we're playing you can't understand a damn fucking thing I'm saying. I know. Well, and it's a good, we'll get to this in, in just a moment, but it, I like the connection between Steve's sort of explanation there. And then the, the brief clip of, uh, of towns they show. Um, oh yeah. But lo- also lo- though, that, that fucking, that thing he says though, goes right into Steve's last ramble, which I mm-hmm. feel like is so, that's so perfect it's, for it's what very on he's the talking about in this yeah. and being able to stay still and be home and and all that shit and uh, mm-hmm. also um, God I'm fucking blanking right now uh, uh, homegirl he's dating at this point in time who I realized he never actually gets married to. I don't uh, remember who this was. Um, I wrote it down. He married Allison Moore a few years after this. Um, yeah, but the person he's dating at this time, Sarah Sharp. And they talk to her. She's the one who, when she's doing the dishes, she's talking about his diet mm. and how he's uh, like trying to take care of it. She's talking about the steel cut oats. But they had just showed him eating McDonald's like they had five just minutes, shown before. Him eating McDonald's five minutes before. That. <laughs> <It was> very cool. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I there's also just the thing that I think is ultra common with people who have recovered from serious drug addictions, man. It is like, it is not easy for your body to go through that. And it's like very common for folks to put on a lot of weight after. And mm-hmm. Steve was no exception. I mean, methadone um, causes you to gain weight. I'm pretty sure yeah, is what, yeah. I, what I read in the book mm-hmm. that talking about it. Cause I've never actually known anybody who's gone through methadone. I know people who've gotten the shot. Right. That well, and it's opiates not work. I know people who've done that. Yeah. And it, I know I've known anybody who's ever weaned off. Right. And it's such a contrast too, because you know, in your mind, so many people who are, actively on heroin are severely underweight and so it can Mm. be like quite a both obviously first and foremost shock to their body but then like to us it looks like whoa that dude's huge now and it was because like well actually he was never really supposed to be that skinny in the first place you know what i mean um so yeah man it's um there's 
speaking of heroin too i mean he talks uh, i like that he references shut up and die like an aviator specifically mm-hmm. because we've talked about that right his voice yep. is rough on that recording it's in a way that's really always been really endearing to me but like to know too he's like man that's what heroin does to your vocal cords he's just like go back and listen to it the band is smoking and i'm struggling and i'm like it's a fair assessment and i think it's why a lot of people don't really love the record but i think i'm just so kind of frankly because of like the world of music we come from like you know we're not afraid of gruff so i'm like this works <laughs> but i it's also hard to enjoy when you know it's like well the reason he was so gruff the reason he's rough is because he's yeah on the on the on a razor's edge right now. right he wasn't he, you know he wasn't he hadn't just heard nirvana and was doing a kurt cobain impression it's because he, he literally he couldn't do yeah. any any other thing than that with his voice at that moment um, um yo let's talk about stacy she's so cool she's the coolest and a beautiful voice and just i mean goddamn they they show a clip of them in texas playing when i fall mm-hmm. together Perfect. um which is just hell it this whole documentary clearly it's only 40 minutes long it's worth watching but that's one of the most special moments to me it's just perfect yeah no it's awesome when she's talking about all his ods and car accidents and she also says uh he was always meant to become an artist he just happened to become an addict yeah which i think is so good that that lines in there then later he says basically like i was always gonna be an addict yeah he felt that he's he what is it i, I would have been an addict if i was a carpenter i carpenter, just wouldn't have yeah. been able to afford <laughs> as much dollars of trucks yeah day. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah fucking um, um so fucking cool dude um i also do did you pick up like a lot of their same mannerisms they both have i didn't but that's fascinating it's um so when she talks about um like the cops mm-hmm. and all the guys with guns like showing up when and like pointing them at them when they were trying to when he she was with him trying to score or whatever right she like does this like like this full body movement thing where she like swings her head and like she laughs and watching her do that i was like oh my god like i've seen him like on stage like behave this way I, he like, totally it, does that they have these little these little same tics and mannerisms where you can see where they fucking just spent so much time together as kids and developed these like i realize sometimes um like like if if i ever hear my voice on one of these these things i realize how many how often i sound like my friend ian who Hmm. that song predetermined is about um because we spent so much time talking together when we were little and kind of developing our voices that we said a lot of things exactly the same and the way we paced our words and stuff. So it's very weird that like, even like he's gone now, oh, there's still a part of him in me and the way I talk. Wow. It's very Dude. weird. It, It's weird, but I can totally, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. It's very exactly crazy. But yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, you're so impressionable when you're a kid, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. I didn't, and I didn't pick up on that, but I'm like, now I want it's to go cool. back and definitely, and definitely watch some of that. scroll back to at least that first talk with her and like the way like their their mouth is very mm-hmm. similar and the way yeah. they emote is very similar. It's very it, cool. It's so cool too because they have very different voices, right? Mm-hmm. But 
there's there's so many similarities still in like the mannerisms and things like that um that's awesome dude when uh one of the things that really got me which i think said a lot about the whole mark situation when when stacy's talking about how steve's words can just cut right through you yeah and like you get the feeling like she's not talking about just when he was on drugs right that's fresh she's talking about he's still doing this right now this is yeah, just kind of how he is that shit is fresh he could be yeah. i mean and it's her just acknowledging the fullness of his person that mm -hmm. he you know he's warm-hearted he's always been kind and what was it she said something like i'd almost rather get get hit get hit than yeah. like you know be on the other side of of some of the words that he uses because he could mm -hmm. be really cruel um yeah. you know and and yeah when, and it's funny because like when like that that story we uh we talk about on transcendental blues about him and mark mm -hmm. you know he didn't yell that oh no he's not a yeller he just said it he just said it like they might have been yelling mm -hmm. about the dallas game yeah like they might have been yelling about the cowboys game but when he said what he said i don't think that was yelled no yeah. it's way way more effective if you just say that yep let yeah. the other person get mad. Let them yell. Let them get pissed off. Like that's dude. That, realizing how much I would do shit like that in relationships or friendships, like how much I would catch myself being a fucking asshole and being a dick. Like that's something like I really try to watch because mm -hmm. when you really know somebody and you really know those buttons and you know how you can just like get in there and fucking like surgically push them yeah. on somebody. It's too much power. You should nobody should have that much power over another person. <laughs> it's, it's you know it, and yet it's you know it so well that you can often do it unconsciously. Yeah. And that's oh, why, yeah. and, and that's why, like the only way to avoid it is to be mindful of that impact, right? Like, mm -hmm. how am I less important than am I picking the perfect words? Is like, how am I coming off here? You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, like, there's it's almost I can literally almost divide people that I vibe with, whether it's friends, family, coworkers or whatever, and people that I don't with just like, how fucking self-aware are you? You know, it doesn't, we don't have mm -hmm. to agree on things. We don't have to live the same kind of life or anything like that. It's like, do you have some kind of basic awareness where you are, are mindful of the impact that your like words and actions and presence has on people around you and you're thinking about that or do you just like what even if you're not a dick you just never think about that yeah you know what i mean it's like and and i and i think it applies to like like you said relationships and stuff but i even take it to the level of like especially in a place like new york man like spatial awareness yeah i mean like, I, I work at a fucking grocery store i know man. i feel you on the spatial Dude, awareness totally <laughs> and i try to i what i've found that i do rather than like you know, cause like getting pissed off just makes me pissed off and I don't like mm -hmm. it is I've tried to take a more, this is my, this is dad mode happening now where like, you know, okay. The, the scenario is somebody stops on the stairs, like going into the subway mm -hmm. or stops right at the turnstile. So therefore blocking the only way anybody you know, else to, from getting through, at, yes. to, to get through. And I used to be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And now I just say stuff like, really not a good place to stop man <laughs> like that way. 
just sort of like a heads up, you know what I mean? Constructive advice. Yeah. Dude, you stop on the stairs. What if the person behind you is not looking either? Your ass is going down the stairs. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, um, but yeah, the, the sort of lack, uh, anyway, I don't know how I got on that, but there's, there is something there just about like Steve clearly is a very conscious person. And he, he was that way. I mean, obviously when he was at his lowest, you know, the, the feeding the addiction was really all he could think about. Right. But like, you don't make art like this, like he's made over the course of your life. If, if you, you don't, don't think, care, if you don't care and you don't, mm-hmm. You know, and we've just we see that capable of like the deepest, deepest love, but also of inflicting some hurt. I mean, yeah. there's a reason he's been married so many times, and you know, all, all that. Sometimes stuff love it. is critical. Yeah, and uh, sometimes that hurts. <laughs> right, and you know, I know there's been points in my I could take the same. This, the exact same criticism and there's one person in my life that I would hear it from and I'd be like damn that's a good point and there's another person and I'd be like who the fuck do you think yeah. you are <laughs> talking to me like that yeah even what if you it, knew yeah like even if it was the exact same thing that they were pointing out right so man I want to talk about towns is this a good point to transition there or did you have anything else before um I just I, I before because I did wrote all my notes and chronologically mm-hmm. um the death penalty uh poster in the poster. background i noticed that as well i knew yep. you'd clock that very cool um, that's right uh when he's talking about selling his guitars is very sad very um, sad and uh yeah and then it uh the next thing i had that i wrote was just a thought and what we had talked about like what is this that we're watching uh and i called it a doc in my notes but it's clearly, I think, just a TV spot, a 45-minute TV spot for Europeans. And what I think it was, was to explain where Steve has been. Because mm. he was so popular in other countries. Yeah. And then he just falls off the face of the earth. Right. And now he's touring again. Mm-hmm. And because he's only, what, he's three records back? Three records back. Yeah. He's three records back after disappearing for five, six years. Yeah. Three records, three years too, you know, yeah. not that long. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's what I, I, that was my thought is that he disappeared and he's come back and people are, especially Europeans are curious, like, where has he been? Yeah. And these Dutch people thought like, oh, well, it'd be interesting to go find out. And it makes and sense. Report right? back to europe (laughs) right that is i think you're spot on with that theory tyler because there's i hadn't thought about it that way but now it's like yeah because like obviously his music is part of it but it's like the story that they're telling or the types of questions and the things that they're getting steve and other people to talk about it's like you know this much about the music and bigger picture about like where you been where you been you know Mm -hmm. um and sobriety and recovery and family and putting what you know and and i think just what it means to put one's life back together um Mm -hmm. and and acknowledging that like it ain't ever going to be totally the same i mean the you just reminded me we'll get 
the way it ended was perfect in my mind. Steve's last line um, of the whole thing, but I think it speaks to this kind of um, just this piece of two that for uh, an addict in recovery, like there's no like, all right, I did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's going to be there's no finished. Right. It's going to be a, a daily choice for the rest of their lives. Right. So. Um, but yeah, speaking that. of daily choices, I think towns is cool to get to because that's where I was in the next part. And mm. but before we talk about the town stuff, he tells that town story. Yep. About towns doing the heavy quotes intervention on him right coming showing and, up to his house unannounced yep yeah or he he comes home and towns's truck is in the Just driveway there. yeah yeah and um yeah and i mean i've heard the, the the story that i've heard him tell was that he was basically plucked out of a a place where he was doing drugs and brought home to talk mm-hmm. to towns and in this he kind of makes it sound like he came home and towns was there the other way I've heard him tell this is he was taken home by somebody. I mean, that seems more likely just because by his own admission, he wasn't going home that often. Yeah. Like, so Towns could have been sitting in his living room for four days and Steve yeah. would have never shown back <laughs> up. Right. So, yeah, some I'm yeah, I, I, I would imagine somebody either f- had to one way or another get him to that house. Um, But the but yeah, man, no, um. Their dialogue. But yeah, he talks about uh he was writing or he showed him Marie. Marie. Mm-hmm. And um I I really know that song because of the town's record that Steve record. does. Yeah. Yeah. And realizing like, oh, that's definitely why that specific song was included in it. 100 percent It's because he has this amazing connection to it. And he remembers that's awesome. Right. He remembered it right as he tells the story, right? Like, man, you look like shit. I know. You have clean needles? Yeah. Every time? Yeah. All right, let me play the song I wrote. Yeah. Let me you show know, you what like, I'm working on. Let me show yeah. the song I'm working on. And, and then, yeah. As, it, it is interesting, too, because as much of a blur, literally and figuratively, Steve was living in at the moment, the interviewer asked him, like, did you know did, what did towns play for you you know he goes oh it was marie it was marie he had just written marie yeah. you know like he he immediately yeah perked up and remembered that well because that um, was important to him yeah yeah and, and it's, it's clear to me that he could make space for things that were important to him mm-hmm. even in those really dark times it just sucks he couldn't be important he couldn't be one of those things that was important yeah himself right his <laughs> his own like well-being yeah um, but uh yeah that footage of towns playing those fucking dude, awesome phenomenal man like and you know we, we've talked about this right i'm still there's a lot of town stuff that clicked with me right off the bat there's also a good bit that i, I need more time with i think mm-hmm. um but sometimes it's hearing the right version yeah, honestly, because there's this so is many an, versions. Right, Marie is a song that I've loved ever since mm-hmm. I heard for the first time. But a particular, like, if I had not been watching that it was live footage of him playing, I would have you believed it, it was a studio yep. recording because he's that flawless. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about? I mean, just again, talent, but also a dude that we know was 
had been in the process of drinking himself to death for many years at that point and was getting closer to the end, still able to perform like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're fingers, not hitting a wrong note voice, like on point. It was like perfect. Um, yeah. And then my God, the, he was here to do one thing. He was here to do one thing, man. Um, <laughs> I didn't, I don't know if I got the line right, but like the, so the interview, Eclipse the thing me, he says, I wrote it down completely. Yeah, very brief interview with Towns after they show that live clip and what the, what the interview asks, like, why are your songs so sad? And he says, I have a few songs that aren't sad. They're just hopeless, totally hopeless situation. And the rest aren't sad. They're just the way it goes. Kind of, you know, life is sad. Fuck. Yeah, that's what I wrote. Life is sad. He's, and he's just oh, very damn it. I think I just broke my glasses. Oh, dude. <laughs> I just put my head down and I think I broke my glasses. <laughs> that is the that is the most Tyler short thing that could possibly happen. Tyler, how did you break your glasses at a show? No, sitting in a chair talking into a microphone. About Towns Van Zant. About Towns Van Zant. <laughs> and about Towns Van Zant talking. <laughs> I read a really so, sad quote know, and then broke so, my glasses. I'm sorry you broke your glasses, man. They're not. That's fine. They're, they're not, not totally broken. Some of them aren't sad. Yeah. They're just hopeless. <laughs> just hopeless. Just a totally hopeless situation. It, it reminds me. I'll 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 show you later, Tyler. Um, for the 10th anniversary of Southeastern by Jason Isbell, they're they're putting out like a deluxe edition. Um, and I've pre-ordered it. I'm not usually big on like box sets and things like that. Dang, I don't own that. I should order that. Yeah, it's and there's a lot of like, you know, they're going all out, right? There's a lot of record store exclusive vinyl, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of the reasons I was like, I got to order this is because it includes, um, you know, like a copy of the like handwritten original lyrics that Isabel wrote. This is the first record he made sober. And traveling alone which is on southeastern was our first dance song at our wedding oh, that's um, cute. so when i yeah so when i saw it i was like i gotta order this um but i bring it up because they've put out a slew of like new merch for the 10th anniversary of southeastern and one of them is a shirt that says jason isbel party music and if you see the picture from a distance it's like a it's like a fifties drawing of like people like at a, at a poolside barbecue, like in swimsuits. And then you look a little more closely and all of them are crying. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That's badass. Yeah. I, was, I love it. Um, I'm, I'm like, I need to get this shirt. Um, but that's what it made me think of. I had like, just when I, when I saw that merch, I was thinking about towns and this quote, cause I had just recently, um, watch this documentary damn that's fucking awesome um yeah i'm gonna buy that shit um yeah so that, good, that quote's so fucked up um the next thing is the uh the jerry jeff's birthday party story yeah crashing um, the party and he talks about Tan towns showing up at the crap game with a, wearing a jacket that jerry jeff had just given him for his birthday and by the end of the night he'd lost all of his money and the jacket he, he said in 20 minutes he had yeah, lost 20 it all minutes. yeah Fucking and then awesome, of course dude. steve being like this is my idol like immediately yeah. being like <laughs> yeah. so basically this dude is homeless came in gambled away all the money and his jacket within the first 20 minutes of being here 
that's my dude. That was how Steve's yeah. brain worked. Like, this is who I want to be. And then again, perfect. They, the, they did a fantastic job making the connections, you know, with, with the songs here. The Fort Worth it, blues. It, yeah. it cuts to Fort Worth blues. Um, uh, a great version um, of, of Steve playing that and obviously dedicating it to Towns um, who, you know, again, it's like thinking of too, the timing had passed away just about three years before um, this documentary was filmed. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't remember Very what cool. it what it cuts to next, but they started asking him more about his time in jail, right? Yeah, and he talks about how uh, none of the black guys knew who he was. So, so he hung, hung out, out with them. them. That's awesome. Like the white guys knew what I was, but black people don't listen to my music. So I, I mostly hung out with black guys so I could just be a dude in jail. Yep. And I really, I had a visceral reaction, um, but it's just like a good reminder of the reality of like, when he gets out, it's the middle of the night. He wasn't yeah, that like, story's still powerful, dude. Yeah, he wasn't expecting to get out. And it's not just, you know, I've heard the story many times because he, you know, he gets out, he's downtown. He's within easy walking distance of a place he could score if he wanted to go, you know, right back to it. But also that it's like, the clothes that he had been wearing when he went in already filthy, right. Had just been festering in this fucking bag for the entire time that he was locked up. And then that's what they give you to put on. You that's know what gross. I mean? And like put you out on the street. So yeah, it's like. Y'all can't get me a, a pair of Dickies and a, I mean, in a, in a, in a Hanes from the Walmart. No, Come on. No, Our no. taxpayer dollars can at least afford $30. Well, and speaking of Tennessee specifically, they can, pay for 1.2 billion dollar fucking football stadium for a team that i don't think anybody gives a shit about anyway um not that that would matter even if they did but uh yeah can't get a some clean drawers and pants for somebody just out of jail um but you know so it's like they already put you in a in a low and desperate place right yeah like when when you get out you're already set up to just go right back in and go right back to how you were um yeah it's never where where, where you belong where you belong because it's never been about rehabilitation mm -hmm. that's always been bullshit right um but yeah man uh th there's parts here there's just like a i don't i don't know tyler if it was me and my attention span but like at this point i started to feel like they're just cutting to like random things because like the next thing you know we're in the studio we're in the studio yeah yeah. And talking about Sacred Reich. Yeah, um, we're talking about Sacred Reich. Fuck, I full on laughed. Dude, me too. Well, it's just so funny because they say, it's, I love how Steve's mind works, right? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm helping Ron Sexsmith with this record. Yeah, how'd you meet Ron? And it was like, well, I was on my way to see Sacred Reich. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. just in it's almost like Steve was going, just in case any of you dorks forgot, I'm yeah. hard as fuck. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't trying and to that, go. And I, I wrote, I wrote, uh, I wrote, I enjoyed this Ron dude's perspective on Steve, but I really don't care for his music. It's not great. Um, it's not good. I, I had, I had listened to a, 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 a good friend of mine in college was really into Ron Sexsmith. And I think huh. had this, you know, almost like, oh, Brian, you like Steve Earl, you like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is not the same. I don't know what no. you're talking about. Um, so, yeah. Ron seems like a, a nice dude, but definitely seems like not a nice for us. dude, but nope, not for us. Not um, a bit. Um, 
Yeah, I think the next thing I have written down is just about the end, the the poem at the end. Is yeah, awesome. And, and yeah, and and then the I would have been an addict if I was a carpenter, and the last line about uh being sure that he's not cured. Mm-hmm. Heavy shit. He says, I'm sure that I'm not cured. The day I start thinking I'm cured, I'm fucked. Yep. God. The interviewer says, how do you know? And he goes, I know. I know. I know. And that's how he likes. Yeah. Yeah. And then halo around the moon. It's perfect. That's right. Yeah. So y'all, this is, I mean, I think even if, obviously, if you are a big Steve Earle fan, you need to watch this if you haven't seen it yet. But I'm going to say if you you could have uh, watched this thing, the whole thing twice in the time that you've spent now listening to Tyler and I talk about it. So it's just we talked about other stuff, too. We did. But I'm just we saying talked about MAGA rappers, of course, which is Tom McDonald. Important. Shout out the official MAGA rapper of Hardcore Troubadour <laughs> podcast. Um, if there was going to be one, it's definitely him. Uh, What's that? For, gonna... for, for, for Gaggio Blow or whatever, the guy who had the uh, who had Marjorie Taylor Greene in his video? That guy sucks. Dude, you have been down some kind of rabbit hole because I don't know anybody you're talking about right now. I hate it, and dude. I, I hate I know. that I know these things. I, feel, I used to read, like, uh, not the actual, like, QAnon, like, pages, but, like, the, mm-hmm. like, the, like, the, QAnon like subreddit that was just yeah. like a, about all their insane shit, you know. And it was just, I listened to a podcast exclusively about it, right? With just this a mixture of. That's in, the in, reason I went and saw the Sound of Freedom. I'm sure. Oh yeah, but yeah, <laughs> in in this in the span of five minutes, I would be feeling empathy, disgust, <laughs> hate, empathy again. You know, yeah. like every everything. No, dude, it's like, sad. Yeah. Dude, legitimately, like Jacob Chansley, I know his name, the QAnon shaman. The shaman, yeah. He's a very sad character. Oh yeah. I hate it. He is these fucked. are all these are all he was deeply, fucked. deeply broken people. Yeah. Like he, he was he, fucked. He was never gonna be any any other way than the way he was. He got broken yeah. way younger than yeah. mo- he went through things. Yeah. I didn't go through those things. That was why I'm not the QAnon shaman. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for that guy. I mean, and it's it's just a good reminder of the like these multiple things can be true. A lot of these folks have hurt other people, and there's no mm-hmm. excuse for that. And also, they are deeply broken themselves, which is yep. like a, you know root cause. Like it, one doesn't cancel out the other, right? Um, when but, you live in a world as lonely as this, <laughs> yeah, it's very easy to put your faith in false things. Oh. Totally. And there are particular people that were already primed for it, right? From a, a And there steady... are people waiting for yeah, those people. For those people when you've to prey on them. Your your life hasn't turned out the way that they told you it could. Um, you're lonely. You feel like a failure at some point. And you've been fed a steady diet of lies about how this country was actually founded since you Wait, were are you talking about a me? little kid. Uh, that's why I'm saying you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's easy, well, dude. It's very it is easy. easy to feel this way. And it's like, I always have these moments too, I would think about where I'm like, yo, dude, on paper, demographically, geographically, class-wise, you know, all those things. You're doing it's great. Like, 
I, I was like, I was much more likely to end up like one of these dudes mm-hmm. than, than I was where I'm at today. And, uh, my wife actually at one point early in our relationship, when we were talking about this, asked like, well, what, what made you different? And without a pause, I just said hardcore. Yep. That's it. That was it. Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I mean, this it thing... saved me from being just like a shitty skateboarder who probably yeah. would have probably would have knocked up a girl or yeah. gotten a drug problem that killed me. Right. Like... It's And it's not even about a specific band or it's just about like nothing against old... skateboarders. Of course. But this this just <laughs> that was just what up... I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can, you can skateboard and not be punk. Um, yeah. But like just this whole idea, just opening you up to the world of like, you can live however you want. You don't have to do this just because everybody else does this. Like you can like, there's, there's something still really, man, I think that's at the end of the day, man. Like for me, it's not about whether or not, you know, a band has a fucking sponsorship or any fucking shit, like do what you want. Right. But there's still at the end of the day, something about like, what makes this different is the way that a kid who was already feeling alienated, like feels like now I have a place to um, channel that alienation productively, Mm -hmm. right. Rather than destructively. And um, so, I mean, dude, it's why when we were doing the Bruce Springsteen thing, something to believe in ended up becoming my favorite Bruce Springsteen song. Right. It hits, man. It hits. It hits it so hits. different now that I'm an adult and I have a better understanding of everything. I hear that song and I know it gets it can be attributed to religion or other things, but just the everything I've seen, it's I I believe in people, I believe in music, I believe in hardcore, I believe in mm-hmm. my friends, I believe in my family, even when they tell me that my generation is living outside of their means <laughs> um that's fine <laughs> yeah, well, okay okay <laughs> show me show me how good yeah. to me good uh, to me okay um but, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah i don't know man i uh i'm glad we got to talk about this tonight I'm, yeah I man this i did too um well friends again thank you for listening and um watch the hard way documentary and you know if you tv spot whatever you call it what tv spot if you and if you speak dutch or seeking to learn dutch the subtitles are there for you so um yeah they are so love that love that for you all right friends have a great night this has been hardcore troubadour <laughs>